everybody, welcome back to the Optometry Money Podcast, where we're helping ODs all over the country make better and better decisions around their money, their careers, and their practices. I am your host, Yvonne Mindrin, certified financial planner and owner of Optometry Wealth Advisors, an independent financial planning firm just for optometrists nationwide. And thank you so much for listening. Hopefully, you are having a wonderful, uh, beautiful spring wherever you are at. And did you know that April is National Financial Literacy Month? And I think we can all agree that um, financial literacy is super important to uh, not only optometrists, but to Americans all over the country in making better financial decisions and improving their own financial circumstances. And on this theme, I wanted to talk about a couple foundational concepts about managing your finances in this episode, and maybe even for the next few episodes. And today, specifically about managing your cash flow. And the first thing I'll talk about is how do you know if you're using your income in the right ways? How do you know that your cash flow is healthy? And secondly, I'll talk about a way of budgeting that I feel works really well. So let's talk about this question of how do you know you're using your income in the right ways? When I work with clients, there's there's four foundational questions that I want to help answer. Number one, are you taking the right amount of risk? Number two, are you using your income wisely? Number three, do you have the right mix of assets in your net worth? And number four, how much wealth do you need to make work optional? And I have ways of tracking sort of the answers and, and the health of, of these different questions, of making sure that we're, we're able to answer them for, for my clients. And today we're going to talk specifically about that question of, are you using your income wisely? Is it going to the right places? Let's talk about cash flow. How exactly does it come into your household? Uh, If you're an employed OD, if you're an employed optometrist, an associate somewhere, whether it's in a corporate setting, in a private practice setting, uh, you're going to see that your employer is going to pay you a salary of some sort. Maybe it's a flat salary or per diem. Maybe it's a salary plus some sort of performance uh, amount, but you're going to get paid on a regular schedule on a regular cadence from your employer, and you're going to get a pay stub each and every pay period. And you're going to notice in that pay stub, you're not going to keep all of the income that you get. There's going to be a whole list and light items of deductions that are taken out. There's going to be taxes, federal, maybe state, depending on what state you live in, uh, social security, Medicare, Maybe state unemployment taxes, maybe it's federal unemployment taxes. And then there's other, could be other things like benefits, health insurance, 401k deductions. So there's a whole list of things that is going to get taken out from your, your income behind the scenes before you get to your net income. And that's what's actually ending up in your household. If you're an independent contractor, it's a little bit different because you are essentially running your own little small business and you're contracting with that employer and they're not doing all those different withholdings for you on your behalf anymore. They're giving you your full paycheck, essentially the full gross amount, and you're responsible for making those tax withholdings and divvying up money towards different investment and retirement accounts. You're, you're responsible for doing that all on your own. If you're a practice owner, it's potentially quite a bit different, uh, depending on how your business entity is structured. If you are the owner of a a business that's taxed as an S-corporation, 
uh, you are likely going to be paying yourself, hopefully going to be paying yourself a wage based on the work you're doing in the practice. So just as if you were employed, you're going to see yourself getting a salary with pay stubs. It's going to be going through payroll. And then you're going to get distributions potentially out of the profit of the business. So that's just going to basically going to be transfers from your business check account to your to your uh, to your household. So you're going to have two ways of doing that. If you're not taxed as an S corporation, then it's potentially just going to be those distributions, just sending money from your business checking account to your to your household. So it's going to be different if you're a, a practice owner. So you get income in different ways depending on how you're practicing. And the question that comes up is, well, how do you use this income best, right? What is the best way to utilize this income based on what you're working towards in your career and your financial goals, whatever it may be? How do we best use your income and how do you know that you're using it in the right ways? And the way that you use your income, the way that you use your cash flow is going to be the best leading indicator you have for how your future wealth is going to turn out, how your future financial independence is going to turn out. The way you use your cash today is going to be the best leading indicator you have of that. And even if you're not entirely clear, you likely have some sort of long-term and maybe even shorter-term financial goals. Or even if they're not crystal clear, most people tend to have a sense of, in general, I, I kind of want to be financially independent at a certain point in my life. Or um, you may have specific expenses that you're saving up for, like a, a new house or college costs for kids or whatever it may be. And, and so your cash flow decisions now how you use your income now is going to be the best leading indicator of hitting those goals. And the way I look at it, your income is only going to go to one of four different categories. It's going to go to, to, to four different buckets, general categories. It's going to go to saving and investing. It's going to go to spending. It's going to go to debt, debt payments, or it's going to go to taxes, total taxes. So federal, state, local, employment taxes, whatever that may be. So it's going to go to one of those four general categories. And what I want to look at is how much of your income is going to each of those categories. And is that a healthy amount? Is that an appropriate amount? And I look at the percentages, right? So I look at savings rate. What percentage of your gross income before deductions? What percentage of your income is going to saving and investing? Spend rate, or you might call it burn rate. What percentage of your income is going to spending? Your debt rate or debt to income ratio. What percentage of your income is going to debt? And then what is your tax rate? What percentage of your income is going to taxes as a whole? These metrics, these percentages for me are your cash flow vital signs telling you if there's somewhere you need to dig into a little bit more. Is that a healthy percentage going into each of those categories? Uh, are any areas too high that we need to think about making adjustments to or unusually low, right? So these are sort of your vital signs telling you, okay, here's my general health of these areas and here's where I need to dig in a little bit more deeper. So how do you assess the health of your cash flow looking at these these metrics, these, these vital signs? Uh, if you were to look at your own cash flow and you put all the different categories to all the different transactions and and the way you're using your income. How do you know if that's a healthy mix? There's a lot of things to consider. Uh, Thinking about all the different things going on in your life, 
thinking about what you're working towards and saving towards. Um, but here are some general metrics that you can use, some general, general ranges uh, of what's healthy. So let's start with savings rate, right? Going back to those metrics, let's start with savings rate, uh, which is potentially the most important leading indicator of future financial wealth and future, potentially future financial independence, savings rate, which is how much of your income are you putting towards saving and investing? And it could be long-term investments towards retirement. It could be towards medium-term investments. It could be towards just building up your, your, your savings account, your emergency fund, right? So the conversation about where that's going is a different conversation, but firstly, just as a percentage of your income, how much of your, your income is going to those things? A typical range for someone, uh, I, I think, is somewhere between 10 to 30% of your gross income. As a long-term target, I like to see this be 15 to 20% of your gross income going towards especially long-term investing. That's a healthy area, a healthy range for me as a long-term target. And you may not be there now, you may not be there yet. But that can be sort of your your target score to aim towards is to get that up to somewhere around there. And uh, of course, a lot can change that, right? A much earlier retirement can require a much higher savings rate or a high pension benefit in the household that you're expecting from either uh, your spouse or maybe yourself if you work at a, a place like Kaiser. A high pension benefit, a healthy pension benefit can allow for more a more modest savings rate. But that's a general sense of what what to aim for. And then as a general trend over your career, you should watch that savings rate increase or at a minimum stay flat as your income is increasing. The higher your income, the higher the lifestyle you'll have to replace in retirement, which means that you're going to need to save more in order to replace that. But also the less percentage of your income that you need to put towards your basic living expenses. Right, so, so the higher your income over your career, you should see that savings rate at a at a minimum stay steady, but hopefully increasing, most ideally increasing. So that's savings rate. Now let's talk about spending rate. What percentage of your income is going to spending? And, and this depends a lot on your household income. Uh, for example, for a family earning between a hundred thousand to two hundred fifty thousand, for example. A typical savings rate might be somewhere between 45 to 65% of your income. That might be sort of a typical range uh, of an amount of your income going towards your, your living expenses, your, your basic lifestyle. Uh, if your income is increasing even more, for example, 250 and higher, you might say that see that fall, you know, 40 to 60% or or less of your of your income. And a lot can change this as well where you live and the standard of living where you live, there's a lot that can affect and change what an appropriate spending rate is, but those are some ideal targets. And as a general rule, kind of what we talked about with the with the savings rate is that as your income increases over your career, the spending rate should ideally either stay the same or, or decrease. Now, that doesn't mean the amount you're spending decreases because this is a percentage of your income. As a percentage of your income, it's staying the same or decreasing, but because your income is going up and should mean that the amount that you're spending and your, your lifestyle is able to creep up a little bit, and it should naturally. You do want to see your, your, your lifestyle increase with, with additional work and additional increases in your income, but as a percentage, you, you want to see that stay steady or, or decrease as your income goes up. 
Now let's talk about debt rate, right? How much of your income should be going towards debt payments? And I think that a healthy debt rate is somewhere in the range of 10 to 30% of your gross income. And at the highest end, 30%. I'd like to see that high end be closer to 25% of your gross income. So maybe 10 to 25. And this is an important one. This, this debt to income ratio is an important one as debt is likely to be a part of your life throughout your career. Um, it, it's going to ebb and flow depending on career decisions, on, on lifestyle decisions. It's not uncommon to see the debt trifecta of student loans, mortgages, and practice debt if you're going that direction, where debt can definitely get to 30% of your income going to debt payments. So so debt rate is going to be a part of your life. It just depends on the, the measure of it, how much of your income is getting sucked up by by debt payments. If you find yourself there at that higher range or close to it, just be careful about adding additional debt on top of that or refinancing debt uh, and having much higher debt payments. Because if you have that, if more of your income is going towards debt and you're already sort of at the, the higher range of, of what we can consider healthy, there's only so much income to go around and and that's that those extra dollars going to debt are going to have to come from somewhere and they're going to have to come from either saving or spending. So just be careful about either adding additional debt or restructuring your debt to where it's shorter term, but your required, your mandatory minimum payments are, are higher. Uh, and now lastly, we have tax rate. Now, I'm not going to go too much into this because this depends on a lot. This depends on where you live. Uh, this depends on your family size. Uh, this depends on the amount of income you're earning and your spouse is potentially earning. So there's a lot here. Um, I'm not going to touch too much on it. This The planning around the tax rates pretty pretty specific to your situation. So you can use these metrics as vital signs of your household cash flow, uh, giving you a hint of when something needs to be addressed or when you need to dig in a little bit deeper. And, and they can be used as the basis for making decisions. For example, should you put extra dollars towards debt or towards savings? Well, you can look at the percentages going to these categories. You can say, okay, one's high enough. Maybe I shouldn't add to that one or one's low, lower than it should be. I should increase that, right? Uh, should you refinance your student debt into a shorter term loan? Um, should you get the, next, the larger mortgage? These metrics can act as guardrails in making decisions. And not necessarily written in stone, but guardrails. So those are quick measures of financial health and the health of your cash flow. Now I want to talk a little bit more about diving into more detail. And I want to talk about reverse budgeting. Because it's often helpful to, uh, yes, these categories are helpful. These are where I start with my own review of cash flow and with clients. But it's it's helpful to dive into the details, especially when you want to make specific decisions or uh, just want to review exactly what's going on and, and try to adjust some of your own spending habits or, or the, what you're doing. But a lot of times we do that by looking at a budget and, and budgeting. And sometimes just the word budget sounds like nails on a chalkboard. Uh, to others, you might thrive on the to the penny tracking of where your income's going. So, you know, that may be you where you love doing that. I'm kind of somewhere in between. I don't necessarily track every single expense, even though I have software that does that. Uh, my first concern is looking at those vital signs and making sure that's in, in appropriate ranges. 
But when I do track things more closely through some sort of budget or a spending plan or whatever it may be, I want to track things using what's called a reverse budget. And I think reverse budgeting is, is maybe one of the best ways to, to do this. So what is reverse budgeting? Well, when you think about the way most budgeting works, it starts with income and then you list off all of your spending, right? So mortgage, debt, expenses, household expenses, whatever it may be, all of your entertainment, fun stuff, vacations, you list off all of your, your spending and then whatever's left over at the end of it, that's what tends to go to the other important things like investing and savings, right? So the savings rate is just sort of determined by what just happens to be left over at the end of the month. And then often you have to do that manually, right? You look at your budget and say, oh, there's X amount of dollars left over. I've got to make a decision of what to do with that. Uh, So the most important stuff ends up at the very bottom of the budget. With reverse budgeting, it, it flips that over. It turns it on its head. And starting at the very top of your budget, at the very top of how you plan to use your income is your is your savings and investing. Those are the very first things grabbing dollars from you. Then come taxes, then necessary living expenses, core living expenses, and then whatever's left over after that, you have complete freedom to do with what however you want. So to start off, you start off with your intended savings rate, right? For example, you you look at what percentage of your income or what total dollar amount are you targeting to save each year and then each month, breaking that down each month or each pay period. And then you put those things at the top of the budget. So it's helpful to list off each different place you're putting money towards and what the goal is to that. It's, it's even most helpful if you're able to attach a goal for those things. Long-term retirement savings. Savings for specific goals like a house purchase or, or, or college savings, building up an emergency fund. All of those things, those super important things you're putting to the top. Those are your top priorities of using your cash flow. And then you automate those things as best as you can. So 401k contributions are automated. That automatically comes out of your paycheck. Um, send a specific dollar amount from your checking account to these other accounts each and every month. Do whatever you can to take the thought and decision-making out of your hands. And having a good advisor to, to help keep you accountable is helpful too. So after you you sort of list off the different savings goals, then comes taxes because those are required, right? You do have to pay those. Uh, federal, state, and then employment taxes on your paycheck. Then after taxes comes your core living expenses, the things that are non-negotiable in your lifestyle. And then lastly, whatever is left over, you have total, complete freedom to spend however you'd like, right? So it's a quick example. And I know numbers aren't always great on a a podcast, but let's say as an example, you earn 130,000 gross income as a salary. And if you break that down monthly, it's gonna come out to $10,833 per month. Uh, Let's say you have a savings goal of 15%. And so that's at 15%, that's about $1,600 a month going towards saving and investing, Let's say your taxes are somewhere around $3,400 a month in total. Uh, let's say your core, your core spending, your, your non-negotiables are about $4,000 a month. What's left over after that is $1,700 a month. That's total freedom, right? You have complete freedom to decide what to do with that $1,700. And what's great about reverse budgeting, what's great about doing it this way is that 
it makes certain that the things that you consider critical, like savings and investing, is at the very top of the pile. It, it comes out first. It's a pay yourself first approach. And it gives you total freedom to spend the remaining amount however you want. You don't actually have to budget that to the penny if you don't want because you know that the other stuff is taken care of. And, and once you have this set up and automated, you can track it more broadly with the vital signs that I mentioned above. And as long as the general categories are in that healthy range, then, then you're on the right track there. And you can revisit the specifics when you need to make more specific decisions. So I think this budgeting approach works. And if you've been thinking about how do I decide what to do with my cash flow, how do I even get organized with this, um, hopefully this conversation about the basics of this have been helpful to you. And if not to you, maybe it's uh, more basic than you're already familiar with. Maybe it can be helpful to, to someone you know. And again, a big key to this is automation, trying to get those savings automated. Uh, it's one thing to put it on a spreadsheet, but when you can automate it, take it out of your hands in terms of having to take action, that's when your spreadsheet becomes reality. That's when that actually becomes reality. And part of my role as an advisor is just helping to figure out what those priorities are that should go at the top of that budget, that should go at the top of that spending plan, figuring out what's important to you and what those priorities should be, and then keeping you accountable to that. And in the show notes, I've included a spreadsheet that hopefully can help you plan some of this out on your own. Uh, and even better, if you'd like to get your own financial scores assessed, your own financial health metrics assessed, um, for my optometry listeners, I'm offering a free financial health assessment. Uh, you can take a look at the link in the show notes. You can download the financial planning app that I use with clients and for my own finances. Uh, just take a few minutes to fill in your scorecard. And once you've done that, I'll send over a short video guide and an assessment of your scores. And so check out a link to that again in the show notes. Um, let me know if you have any questions on this or anything else financially. You can reach me by email at Yvonne, E-V-O-N at optometrywealth.com. Um, check out all the resources and stuff mentioned in this episode in the show notes again in whatever app you're using or at the education hub at my website, www.optometrywealth.com. And while you're there, feel free to check out all the other resources and episodes and feel free to schedule a no-commitment introductory call. And we can talk about whatever's on your mind financially, and it can share how we serve optometrists nationwide. And with that, we'll wrap up. Shorter episode, give it a little bit of a break from those hour-long episodes, uh, from those hour-long conversations, but hopefully it's been helpful for you. Thank you again for your time and listening, and we will catch you on the next episode. In the meantime, take care. Want more resources to help master your money? Check out the Education Hub on Yvonne's website at optometrywealth.com. Yvonne Mindrin is a certified financial planner and owner of Optometry Wealth Advisors, a California-registered investment advisor. All opinions of Yvonne and his guests are their own. This show is for informational purposes only and should not be relied on for specific investment, legal, tax, or other decisions. Clients of OWA may own securities mentioned on this show. 